If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Hello, everyone. I'm Davis Maddock here at Daily Roto TV on SportsGrid, joined by Ricky Sanders and Christopher Pacheco as we continue wading through this world without, uh, you know, too many professional sports on finding different ways to wager on future outcomes tangentially related to sports, sometimes, you know, just very casually related to sports. And, you know, over the last couple of weeks on this show, we've been doing these dynasty fantasy football startups. I think that uh, they're really the, you know, just the, the, the most fun way to pass the time because nothing's better than drafting. And best ball drafts are even better because once it gets to the season, you don't have to be overwhelmed by making fab moves. But, Ricky, I got to say, this auction draft, it really uh, it really got away from, I think, 10 people. I, I think that there are two people who are sitting here ready to clean up in this auction we're in. And really, the, the virtue of patience while stuck in quarantine doing a slow auction should have been obvious how important being patient would be. And uh, yet, it, it seems like that did not happen. I mean, what kind of sicko has other hobbies during a quarantine where they don't just stare at the auction screen and make consistent bets. Uh, but that's obviously been the best strategy here in most auctions. I don't love it because you end up getting guys, you know, who you're fighting for, who are probably after the hundredth best player, but because in these Dynasty auctions, there are some teams that immediately start playing for the future. You don't have as much of a rush for the top 100 players. So if you sat back and you were patient, sure, you maybe missed out on the guys in the first round. But the prices on the guys in the first round versus like 
second through fourth were learning has just been such a gigantic difference because everyone blew their load early. You got your Lamar Jackson, you got your Patrick Mahomes, you got your Christian McCaffrey. Sure. But Amari Cooper going for like literally a quarter of the price of Christian McCaffrey has been ridiculous. All these guys going for a quarter to a half of, of guys of similar value, if you waited, just makes, I think, most of us in here sick. Although I'm sure there's one of us who's, you know, relishing this this opportunity. Yeah, so Pacheco, I think your strategy of literally not making a bid for the first two days, I, I got to say... Think it looks I think it looks pretty strong right now. So you got great prices. I think you got a fair price on Dak. You know, not not a huge discount or anything yep. else. And I think you maybe overpaid by a buck or two for Brady, but you yep. got amazing values on Ingram, Mixon, Lockett, and Higby. I mean, it, it just it just seems like the room sort of, you know, just kind of went your way because everyone was so busy spending, you know, a, a quarter of their startup budget on uh, rookie picks the the every first round pick so first through the first pick to the eighth pick all of them went for thirty dollars or more the top three picks all went for forty dollars or more so yeah. things really did just set up for teams ready to win right away yeah and and predictably right uh the the folks that started off in the first couple of days and were bidding it gives you this this illusion perhaps that you that even once you're done bidding on those players and you win them, you're going to have money left over to to really do damage. And, like, that's not the case. And so that was really my strategy going in very early, which yesterday I had mentioned that Mike was giving me a, a little bit of grief for because it was, like, day two, day three already, and I hadn't really done any moves. Um, but I was just kind of waiting to see what the room was going to do. And for me, it, it ended up uh, paying off in a really big way. There's also some other great values, uh, like Kyler Murray went for 57, which that was another one uh, you have mentioned in yesterday's show, uh, Davis. That's, I mean, that that looks like a, a real nice bargain uh, relative to you know some of the, what some of these other uh, top QBs have gone for in the draft. Yeah, I just and and so I'm sitting here and I'm looking at the auctions and the and you know they're done chronologically. So I'm looking at you know some of the first auctions one. DeAndre Hopkins, 53. Josh Jacobs, 41 out of 300. Uh, the 104 for 38 out of 300. Alvin Kamara for 53. And then now I'm sitting here looking at uh, Derek Carr for, for six. Uh, Chris Herndon for seven. Justin Jackson for four. It just, it is, it's, um, mm -hmm. it's absolutely, uh, it's absolutely hilarious to me how the the money has just left the room for everyone except for you and Sean Siegel from Rotoviz, who just are going to come in and just nab whoever else you want. I, I, I'd also say, you know, now there's still a good amount of players on the board, but we have to be careful with just saying, oh, all, you know, all these guys are going to go for great value because, of course, they will because no one has any money. So – you know, like Odell Beckham Jr. for for instance, yesterday I believe he won for twenty bucks in this league, which is just absurd. Um, and that's just kind of the the thing that's going to happen now, where you're going to get a bunch of two three dollar players that are pretty much relevant in the league today. But that's because no one at this point has any money left over. Yeah, I I mean I I think that is there's certainly some people who are going to just get solid veteran contributors for a dollar whereas because yeah. i ran out of money so fast ricky i was putting up 
Ricky Seals Jones, Nick Boyle. Like I was throwing mm-hmm. those guys out for a buck because I knew they wouldn't draw any bids. And I was I was sort of in a race against the clock where I knew I had a little bit of money to spend. But the sooner I was able to fill my roster with $1 guys, the sooner I'd be able to start making $5 bids, $6 bids. And I couldn't do that until I knew that some of the roster spots were actually filled. So, But it didn't happen fast enough, right? The, the bidding wars for some of the other expensive guys didn't last for a couple of days. You know, what I needed was Ezekiel Elliott to get to $58 and for him to be on the clock for mm-hmm. four days. And that's kind of how this auction, I thought it was going to go. But Ricky, we, we might be done in like a week and a half because the money is just gone. Yeah, and I actually wanted to talk to you guys about an interesting strategy for all auctions. So at least uh, this will be more listenable to some people who aren't in this specific one is what do you do at the end of an auction draft when you have about nine bucks left (laughs) and you know that there's a clear number one option, but there are some options that aren't far behind? Because I think both Pacheco and I are going to be in similar situations to this. Do you go for best player available and just rely on ones all the way through? Or looking at these values, are you trying to maximize with the best possible $3 players you could get? Get maybe three of them as opposed to one, and that that limits your $1 exposures. I mean, that's the decision that I'm looking at with this board. And I think Pacheco, if he wins all the guys on the board, is going to be in a similar spot. I think that warrants a conversation because I, I don't know the correct answer there. You know, Adam Thielen right now looked like a guy who fit my scheme, but now I see all these other wide receivers coming out. I yeah. made a $13 bid on him. I wish I could have a bunch of these other guys for four bucks a piece and just have yeah. more spots filled. Agreed. So, so in general, my opinion for auctions is that generally speaking, you are better off. Like I'm going to buy five studs and then I'm just going to low, especially, and you know, this actually works a little bit better in baseball where you can Mm -hmm. just grind the waivers, right? You can grind $1 guys for 162 games and you're going to find, you know, two start pitchers for weeks. You're going to find third base call-ups. You're going to find, you know, DHs, uh, so on and so forth. It's a little bit harder in football, um, especially when you're playing with deeper rosters where the waiver wire is, is dead or is just, you know, not likely to have a ton. I do think though that, in general, the $1 guys is the strategy I prefer where you just get, you get, you know, three studs, you get three, you know, B minus B guys, two C guys, and then, and then load up on $1 players. That, that Ricky would be my strategy if I was trying to win now in this format, I think. Yeah. So, you know, if you're you're talking about relying on the $1 guys, I think that's the route I've unknowingly taken Mm -hmm. uh, just because I had, I threw out another guy who I think I'm probably going to win, unfortunately. Uh, But yeah, so now with Adam Thielen at 12 bucks and just looking at this board that's filled with the Jarvis Landry's and the Keenan Allen's and things like that, who I think may go for somewhat comparable value. uh, They also have a chance to go cheaper and I would have liked to have the chance to be in on those guys that I just simply don't have right now. And I think Pacheco, that's the strategy that you're going to take is the multiple $3 guys as opposed to the one $12 guy and kind of hamper yourself. Absolutely. That's, that is definitely the route I'm, I'm going to take. And I've been trying to take outside of the really uh, big bids um, that I have won or I'm in the process of potentially uh, winning. I'm pretty much done with like, you know, 10 plus dollar guys. I, I'm just, First of all, we're not going to have the money. 
uh, to do that. So I'm, I'm going to run out. Um, so at this point, I, I'm definitely trying to just get as many, you know, two, three dollar players as I possibly can get my hands on. I think that I think that in general, especially so not every $1 player is created equal, right? Some $1 players mm-hmm. are going to return $0 of value. Like, so for example, I will, I will look at my roster right now. Um, here are, here are two different $1 players, Justin Watson for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Nick Boyle for the Baltimore Ravens. Nick Boyle is, is unlikely yep. to even return the $1 that I spent on him. Justin Watson probably has, let's say, let's say a 4% chance of becoming a $15 player. You know, if he wins out that number three job in Tampa Bay, you know, if he plays more than Cameron Brait, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he ends up, he ends up, you know, scoring what, six touchdowns this year. He's a young athletic guy. So, but also the value of those $1 players is going to be different. So $1 players that Ricky might want would be someone like, um, let's go, let's go like aging, like maybe someone like LaShawn McCoy, if LaShawn McCoy signs somewhere, right. Or, or Frank Gore or, mm-hmm. uh, Larry Fitzgerald, just, you know, guys yeah. who are going to acquire some stats, but are literally, you could not trade them for a future sixth round pick if you wanted to trade them basically. <laughs> Whereas like, I would have, I would have no interest in those guys at all because they just like, they're not even going to be in the league by the time I would, uh, you know, need their points. It's funny you mentioned Larry Fitzgerald. That's a guy I was thinking of tossing out. I mean, this is almost assuredly his final year, but looking at my team, I legitimately only have a one-year window having gone all in for this year. So it's it's this year or nothing, which is going to be a tough task seeing how deep some of these other teams are, but I have no choice but to commit to it because Drew Brees might be a one-and-done. Jared Cook might be a one-and-done. I have a bunch of aging players already, so I just have to commit to this strategy having, you know, traded all my future picks to go all in for this year. Yeah. I I wish I would have gotten McCaffrey cheaper from understanding the rules earlier in the game. That would have given me money, but I also just wish I took the strategy of waiting. I think that would have played better, especially after I traded for the additional salary. Oh my God, having the extra, you know, 30 bucks on the field trading my 2022 draft that uh, some of these other guys did not, it could have cleaned up, but it's a coulda, woulda, shoulda game at the end of this auction. And I feel like everyone feels like that, but especially the non Pachecos feel that way. Well, Ricky, I wish you had um, potentially waited on uh, some of these other tight ends rather than getting, and this is a smaller one, but Jared Cook for five bucks when you could have gone potentially um, Irv Smith for just a little bit more, or um, I think Blake Jarwin is going for like two bucks right now. And I'm not even sure it's going to get outbid heavily. Um, You know, some of these older guys, ultimately, like they got bid up for an amount that was a little bit unforeseen. I didn't think Jared Cook would go for five. Also, I didn't think I would have gone up to Brady for 15. I actually think it's one of my uh, bigger mistakes in the draft. Like I, I didn't want to bid him up at that point, but someone else bid me. Uh, for 14 and at that point I had the money and thinking that I was going to be fine at the end and that is definitely one of my regrets so here's the thing with the five dollar Jared Cook one I have Drew Brees uh two yeah 
Irv Smith is going now at a time when people have money. So me making a $10 bid would certainly not guarantee that I got him. And three, I have to fill in value product, you know, productivity because of Christian McCaffrey. Mm -hmm. So what I've been trying to do is find the veterans who are going to go for less than their probably 2020 production suggests mm -hmm. and just take that value because I think the young guys are going to have more interest from the field, especially with those with money, because they know they can just load up on a team that's competitive both in the short term and the long term. And I don't want to fight with them. Sure. I want to just get guys who are productive now. And I know I have to go cheap because of McCaffrey. Ricky, are you interested in Brashad Perryman? Do you like him? Uh, I have mild interest, sure. Would you trade me your remaining picks, so your three, four, five, six, and one fab dollar for him? One one blind bidding dollar for him? I don't think I could trade any fab dollars. The other I would have to look at. I'm not going to snap accept this one without looking, but it doesn't I paid. I paid, so if we want to talk, we want to talk about bad bids, I'm going to end up paying more for Perryman than, like, Will Fuller's going to go for it. Will Fuller is currently on the board for $5. I paid $6 for Perryman on the first day of the auction thinking I got a steal. Also, by the way, I was like, oh, lock it up. That's a steal. Uh, so that's the, you know, that's probably not great. I do. I do wonder, by the way, if um, now that everyone sees what, like what an awesome approach it is to wait and, and see and like try to go after guys, you know, on day three, what if everyone took that approach, you know, next time around that we do one of these, the the thing might be to bid on guys early and potentially get some some sneaky value out of these top you know the, the very top players it'll be really interesting to see because i would be in on that if everyone's just gonna kind of zack and and go into i I, I think if we do it again it's gonna be just as chaotic everyone yeah. so maybe maybe we don't have you know lamar going for 73 mahomes going for 80 the rookie picks all going in the 40s but it's still going to end up where people are not going to be able to help themselves. People are going to win guys they don't expect to win. So right. I, I would think maybe the money won't leave the room as like as. Like, so I think yeah. the money will leave the room just as fast. It just won't be as much money. So it'll be instead of, you know, these guys at the end going for five bucks, they're going for 10 bucks. But I, I just think we're all sitting here. We're all stuck at home. You know, I, I don't, I don't really see anyone playing this much differently. That is, that is sort of what I think. What do you think, Rick? Yeah, I'm captain hindsight. I know you guys are big South Park watchers, but I'm hundred percent captain hindsight when it comes to this stuff where I can tell you what you did wrong. I can tell myself what I did wrong. That doesn't mean if you give me the second shot, I'm not going to do it wrong again. I'll just identify what I did wrong afterwards. So right. you give me another shot at Christian McCaffrey and all of a sudden he's going 10 bucks cheaper, even though I've seen these prices of like $28 for the second round, I'm still going to spend it on McCaffrey and then just tell you that I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Yeah, I just, you know, it is, it is, uh, it is just sort of one of those things. It's like, it's like, what can you, what can you do when you are, uh, you know, when you are in these spots? So, uh, Pacheco, what do you, what do you think? What, what would you change about your strategy if we were to redo this real quick? I wouldn't change a thing. I, I would want to do this again. But the thing is, again, if everyone is going to go that route, I would, probably just sag and, and try a different route potentially just outbidding on some of the top players and just hoping that i get some you know cheaper tags out of those guys ultimately i just you know i saw mccaffrey's tag early at like eight almost 90 i was out 
Lamar Jackson looked good. I was out immediately. I mean, all these guys that were going for 70 plus, I didn't even I didn't even think about it. Outside of Lamar, I did think about that one for a good bit. All right, everyone. So that was our discussion of Dynasty Fantasy Football auction bidding. Uh, we'll definitely have some more conversations about this league over the next few days. Uh, in the next few segments, we're going to take a look at some NFL futures betting. We will be back on Daily Roto TV here in just a little bit. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray, rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome back from break here on Daily Roto TV on SportsGrid. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by Ricky Sanders and Christopher Pacheco. Uh, we just got done going through some of our observations on our Dynasty fantasy football auction that we were all participating in. Now moving into some NFL draft betting because, you know, that's that's what uh, is really dominating in the market right now. I would say that's what a lot of the popular conversation is covering 
Ricky. So, you know, we're going to run through some over-unders here, but also wanted to finish our conversation from yesterday in which we were discussing um, some positional wagers that you'd looked and found some historical data on. Yeah, we didn't get to finish all the positions. I believe we talked about the quarterback position. Uh, I don't know if we got to running back, so let's just review there because the over one-half running back is listed as the 305 favorite on DraftKings. And you look at the past 10 drafts, there have been eight times in which a running back has been picked in the first round, 1.6 backs per year uh, in terms of running backs in the first round. So this year looks iffy, but it's always a situation where it takes one team. Uh, So the historical data suggests the over, but I still think if you look at some of the consensus on the mocks, there's value to the under there if you're looking for a long shot because it is a a sizable underdog. Um, And again, there have been two years where there's been no back and most mocks have the first back coming off the board in about the 30s. So I think the running back position is interesting in the wide receiver department. Five and a half is the over under. Um, despite the fact more than five receivers have been drafted in the first round just once over the course of the last decade. How about that one? An average of 3.4 receivers per first draft. And even in that 2014 historic class, there was not over five and a half receivers. So Davis, how do you feel about that? 2015, the only year we got six and the over-under is five and a half. I I definitely like don't want to place a wager on this because I just think there are so many different ways the back end of the first round can go this year. I think that there are, I just think there's a, a, a an absurd amount of talented players at defensive back. I think there is a lot of talented offensive linemen in this class. I think that there are, you know, I mean, there are probably 10 wide receivers who, if you told me they went in the back half of the first round, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, we talked about Jalen Hurts. We talked about Jordan Love. Uh, you know, we talked about, I mean, look, if, if Jacob Eason or Jake Fromm goes in the first round, you know, we don't think of them as first round talents, but these teams fall in love with quarterbacks all the time. You know, we just, we just see that happen where these scouts, you know, they meet this guy, they watch his film and they're like, that's the guy, he's the guy who's going to turn our franchise around. So, you know, that wide receiver number, uh, I, 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 it's weird to bet against history. I would prefer the over, I think, though. I just, to me, though, that one is like more of a no bet, though. Yeah. Uh, also, I want to throw this at you guys. I already have placed a bet for the under on quarterbacks for the first round, personally. I think I'm about to make my second NFL draft bet here. The under, or excuse me, the over on defensive linemen drafted in the first round on DraftKings right now is set at four and a half. Over the course of the last 10 years, there has not mm-hmm. been less than five defensive linemen selected in a first round of any of the drafts. I have seen other sports books with five and a half being the number, but look at some of these numbers. 2010, nine defensive linemen. 2011, mm-hmm. 10. 7-7-5-5, 7-7-5-10. So there's an average of 7.2 defensive linemen taken in first rounds. I mean, Chase Young, we think is a lock. Derek Brown... I think is a lock. Uh, Do you think we get three more from there? Because the mocks I'm looking at all have at least five, like literally every one of them. Javon Kinlaw, um, where are some of the others? Uh, Gross Matos and Espinesa. 
mm-hmm. are the other guys who who seem to be popping into just about all the first rounds. And all you got to do is hit five. I think that's another really strong bet. And it's not like a negative 450 favorite like the quarterbacks. It's in the 250 range. So uh, yeah. this is why I would not, first of all. And then I'll let Pacheco, I'll let you go. This is why I don't like that bet. The the classifications of who's a linebacker and who's a defensive lineman True. with the edge rushers can get weird. And I you know, I think that when in doubt, the sports books are going to rule, I would imagine, on uh, you know, whatever, whatever favors them. So there you go, Pacheco. What do you think about that wager with that information? So, so it's the number is five, Ricky, right? Four and a half. Four and a half. Uh, I, I mean, I would think if if listed correctly, that sounds like a like a lock to happen, in my opinion. I just, given what Davis just mentioned, now that makes me a little bit uneasy. But if, like, all things considered, if if it gets listed correctly, I, I don't see how we get less than that. Given all the mock drafts and everything, I, I think that number is a really strong one. Yeah, I think that, I think, I think it's a strong number if you can get some classification from DraftKings yes. or FanDuel on yes. you know what they what they are going to classify as an edge rusher what they are going to classify as a defensive lineman so on and uh you know so I I, I think that that's uh that's kind of how I would deal with that situation okay so I have some of these over unders on where guys are going to be drafted at Ricky this ties into uh the wager you just brought up which was running backs DeAndre Swift's over under on the DraftKings sportsbook is 26 and a half the over is favored, but I still really, I really like over 26 and a half. You know, looking at, looking at that back end, you know, looking at the teams that might theoretically be taking them, I just, I just really feel like that is, that's early for DeAndre Swift. Yeah, it only takes one, and it seems like the top back seems to make their way into the teams every year as there's a team that... Uh, like I do in our snake drafts, I just want to assure I get my guy. Like, I don't mind trading up a little bit, having to give up something to get there. But I I just don't really see it with the difference between him and some of the other backs. I, I think when we're looking at the teams in the mid-teens, no one there, maybe other than Tampa, would even think about taking a back. So it would have to be a trade-up scenario. And then as you get towards the end of the round... I think the talent at wide receiver kind of shines out here. I like the over as well with you. Uh, Like I said, historically, there was typically one back taken in the draft. I think of this draft, it's very unlikely it is a mid-teens guy because you don't have that Ezekiel Elliott in this class. And if you did, it's probably Jonathan Taylor. But again, most years there is someone in the first round. So if you're betting the over, you're you're kind of taking this – the, the look at it, that the historical data is against me, but the mocks are for me. So you kind of have to take a stance like that on the running back position, unfortunately. What do you think, Pacheco? So I wanted to chime in here. Um, I think uh, that Tampa Bay name makes a lot of sense for DeAndre Swift because they've, they've mentioned how they want to add a, a pass catching back um, in the draft. I just... If they really pull that move off, it feels like a little bit of a mistake given all their needs, um, especially on on the defensive side. Like, I, I, my guess is they should draft someone in that slot uh, on defense. Um, and if they don't draft DeAndre Swift, I agree. Like, I just I don't really see a team making that their guy. That's kind of my take. 
I think that is, you know, I think that that is probably fair. Okay, I got another one for you, Pacheco. Henry Ruggs over 14 and a half, and the over is actually a slight dog. You can get that at plus 105. I really, I, I like the over. I, I think that yeah. some of this rug stuff is getting a little bit overblown. I think Judy and Lamb are for sure going to go ahead of him. Yeah. Um, and I think I think that people are getting a little irrationally exuberant about Henry Ruggs. So you're saying that he's not, he's going to get picked after the 14th pick? Yes, yes. So 15th or later. <sighs> Man, that's that's uh that's difficult. I would say um, I would agree with you that Lamb and Judy would go ahead in the draft, and if that's the case, my guess is he would he would get drafted after fourteen. But I, I honestly, uh, Davis, I don't I don't know if I feel great about that one. Yeah, that one that one I think is pretty close. You know, if if yeah. Jacksonville took Henry Ruggs at at six or whatever, would I be flabbergasted? No, I think something like that you know, could potentially happen. What do you think about that one, Ricky? Yeah, you're a sucker for pain taking that one. That one's going to be ridiculously close. Yeah. And I think part yeah, of that... I think the Broncos take him at 15. So that's why I, in my, mm-hmm. in all of my, in most of my mock drafts, I have Denver mm-hmm. taking a wide receiver at 15. I think Ruggs going there is certainly plausible. I mean, if you're taking that bet, starting at pick nine, you better get the get the beer out because that one's going to be a tough one, especially if we're not sure what's going to happen with Tua. If we think Tua continues to slide down into the teens, all of a sudden someone has to slide up. And if we, we see a bunch of mocks with rugs around the 14th or 15th player, it's too close for my liking. This is not a bet I would be taking. I could see him going 13th for that reason. This is one that I'm just sitting out from the sidelines. I think I would probably take the under because of the Tua thing, but it's really right. close. Um, okay, another one that I just uh, I just straight up don't get this one, Pacheco. Isaiah Simmons under 6.5. You can actually, again, you can get that at what I think is a great price. You can get under 6.5 at minus 115 on DraftKings, that means that if the Giants take him or if Tua slides, um, you're, you're pretty much printing money with that selection. And even even the Chargers could take him at six. Yeah. I, I think it's extremely unlikely that the Giants don't take him at at four, though. Like what it just it feels it feels very bizarre that they would not take him at four. What do you think? I mean, I, I agree in that I, I see him definitely going before six. Um, I guess my, my take would be, what if, uh, what if one of these teams just overvalues one of the receivers or something, and all of a sudden they're the ones picking in that slot and, and you know picking the receivers instead of, of Simmons? I personally don't see it. I, I'm mostly in agreement with you. I think he goes before six. What do you think, Ricky? So shout out to Grinding the Mocks here, who who does a compilation of basically all the mocks in the industry. Mm-hmm. In 2,146 separate mocks, his expected draft position has been 5.6, and the upper limit of his expected draft position is 5.8. Uh, basically, you go across the board, he's expected to go at pick five. That is just about how what everyone feels. Uh, and like you mentioned, he could even be going at pick four, yeah. I don't understand why you're getting such a good price on the under here. I have no choice but to agree with you guys. I think this is a pretty solid bet. It, it literally, it literally, so this is how you lose this bet. You lose this bet if the Giants take Werfs, Becton, 
Thomas, or Wills. Um, and then the mm. Dolphins take Tua, and then the Chargers take Herbert. That's how you lose. That is, I and it seems crazy. I do not, I do not uh, co-sign on any of those moves. Uh, I think that the right order of those picks is for the Giants to take Simmons, for the Dolphins to take Tua if they believe in the medicals, or to take Werfs or Becton if they don't, and then for the Chargers, the Chargers they are. Um, you know they're just going to be the Chargers and they're going to take Justin Herbert. There's there's not anything no. that's gonna that's just nothing that's going to stop them from from taking uh, from taking Justin Herbert. Um, all right, another. I was looking through some of these specific player to destination spots and there were two that I thought were weirdly priced with this Tua news. So this is all what I'm about to say is all predicated on these reports that Tua's medicals are bad. The first one is Justin Herbert to the Dolphins plus 140 Pacheco. I think that if 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 in fact we get uh, you know if in fact we 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 don't get to a you know in the top 10 or whatever, I th- I think the Dolphins are going to take a quarterback and I think that this is a very fair price on that happening. Man, I, I'm sorry. I just I can't believe we're talking about Justin Herbert in the top five. I mean, have have we have people watched? Have they watched his kid play? I, 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 don't, I don't think he's. Any good. I don't think he's any good either. Listen, I don't think he's awful. Okay, I, I want to get that straight. I, I I don't think he's awful, but for him to get picked in the top five is a a real stretch. I mean, obviously, if if Tua is not healthy, like he he can't be in that conversation. I get that, but we are talking about two very different players. Uh, in a healthy Thua and a, and a healthy uh, healthy Justin Herbert, which I think people understand that, but I, I, I'm sorry, I just I can't I can't see that happening. Are, are football franchises really that dumb? Yeah, I, I think I think they are. I, I think that I think that they will basically take Herbert if they if they don't take Tua. I, I think that is the more likely outcome than not. Um, okay, I got another one for you, Ricky. Again, based off of these of these weird medical reports. Jordan Love to the Patriots plus 400. Oh man, I've been on the they should sign one of these veteran quarterback kicks, but if they haven't made a move until now, it seems like they're likely averse, although you haven't really been able to get solid medicals on these guys, so there could be a reason why they're waiting to sign someone like Cam Newton or trade for Jameis Winston. But at plus 400, like you've mentioned on some of your NFL bets, you only have to hit two of five of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if you're going for long shots, a team that needs a quarterback that picks towards the end of the first round, I don't think that's the craziest thing I've ever heard of. I think plus 400 is fair odds for me to consider taking that bet. I wouldn't, you know, stake my life on it, but I think the correlations of them picking late, needing a quarterback and him being a guy who I think there will be teams considered to be trustworthy and a better value than Justin Herbert. It all makes sense to me. Yeah. So the one last market that I wanted to talk about is the first tight end drafted market because Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, I think that essentially the tight end market is really, really overpricing Cole Komet. So Komet is listed at minus 400 to be the first tight end selected. I think the real price is probably more like minus 200, minus 150, because first of all, 
Claypool could get drafted as a tight end, be classified as a tight end, you know, like on his player card or whatever. That wipes out this whole market, basically. Um, but the other thing that could happen is, I mean, Cole Komet just has to not be the first tight end selected like mm-hmm. 35 to 40 percent of the time. And if that's the case, you're getting insane odds on Harrison Bryant, Adam Troutman, Hunter Bryant, Bryson Hopkins, Albert O, uh, Thaddeus Moss. I think that all of those guys, it is firmly in the range of outcomes that they could be the first tight end selected. So I don't mind betting like three or four of those guys and just being like, you know what? I hope that the team's met Cole Komet and they don't really like him. But uh, we are going to go ahead and head to break here real quick on Daily Road to TV and be back for our final segment in just a few minutes. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Hello, everyone, and welcome to our final segment here on Daily Roto TV. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by Ricky Sanders and Christopher Pacheco as we continue our exploration of NFL futures, sports, draft, you know, betting. We're just we're just trying to speculate hopelessly on the future of the NFL because we we really want it to be back and we really want to be financially invested when, in fact, it does return. So I have went through and using the DraftKings and FanDuel sportsbooks, um, I have found some favorable wagers that I think, you know, compared to our projections on Roto Experts and then some team bets as well. Pacheco, the first one that I bet, Daniel Jones over 3,799 passing yards. What do you think about that one? I, I, if it's a short, quick little take, I, I like it. I think it's a good one. Yeah. So they, and of course, the caveat with all these bets are, uh, you know, as the sports book has, as the sports books mm-hmm. have them listed, you know, has to be a 16 game season. So I don't think that yeah. um, there's there's no angle shooting to be had with, oh, well, the season was eight games and now I win mm-hmm. all my bets that uh, that's not going to work. What do you think about that one, Rick? Well, his pace last year, just doing some quick math at about, I guess it was 12 starts, 13 games. So I'd have to go back and yeah. uh, give you the full breakdown of, the snaps he played, but was close to 3,700 mm-hmm. and he's going to be a second year player. They have a pretty solid wide receiver core. They've got Saquon Barkley who can rack up the yards out of the backfield. He is a guy who runs, which uh, if he decides to do that more could limit his passing a bit, but in such a passing league with him being a youngster and him being willing to take shots, you don't give a crap about the interceptions uh, that he threw 12 of last year. If you're betting a bet like this, you want him to just be airing it out. I think that's, completely fine. I I would be on the oversight of this as well. Just looking at, you know, the numbers he put up last year, 62% completion, uh, not terrible. I think Daniel Jones is going to be an aired out type guy. I think that's what the way of the league. And that's the way that this giants offense is moving. So I'm on board with the over. Yeah. And I don't, I do not like betting overs on player props Mm because they're so easy to lose guy misses guy misses two games you're done. You're not, you're not going to be, you're not going to be winning your bet. So for to, to, I, I think that the, the bets in general that I actually prefer to make for NFL futures are like big payoff bets when you get it right. So like, these are like minus 110, minus 115 bets. The better bets to make are, you know, player X to lead the NFL in passing yards, player X to lead the NFL in rushing touchdowns. Cause then when you get that right, you're like really right. And you're getting paid off, you know, a good margin. So I, you know, I, I think that like, I think this line could be off by, like, 500, 600 yards if the Giants play the way that I expect them to play. So here is an under that I think is, uh, you know, I, it's, 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 you know, it's going to be very painful for me when I lose this one for the second year in a row. But Pacheco, under Derrick Henry, rushing plus receiving yards, 1,547. So, uh, you know, just a shade over 1,500 yards. That is a shame because you probably will lose it. Um, Definitely. I think you will lose that one. Um, I think the op- they have made it very clear that they're trying to build kind of around him and, you know, have their offense tailored around him, which whether it's right or wrong, that's just what they're doing. So I, I, I think my guess is you'd be incorrect on that one. And I also wanted to say, by the way, on the uh, Daniel Jones thing, big win for him this year, uh, if the NFL gets played, of course, is getting Evan Engram back. Uh, at tight end, that is going to be a, a really big thing for that Giants offense. 
Yeah, that is gonna be that is gonna be absolutely huge for him. Uh, what do you think about that one, Ricky? You in or you out on Derrick Henry under uh, fifteen hundred forty-seven rushing yards? So I think the sneaky, oh rushing plus receiving. I rushing think the plus. the sneaky thing working in your favor is the departure of Jack Conklin, and I know offensive line truthers uh, are few and far between, but Conklin was the sixth-rated tackle in terms of rush blocking last year. And now he heads to a Browns team. It's the reason that even though I'm concerned about Nick Chubb's role, I still think he'll be fine. We've had that discussion on here before that there's a lot to say about Nick Chubb this year. And one of the main things is that offensive line boost. But an offensive line boost for him is a significant offensive line boost for Derrick Henry. And I know Henry's a beast. I know he's a load to take down. But getting holes is a big part of of the game when you're a running back and to not have those same holes open because you're losing one of the premier run blockers in the entire league in that offensive line. Plus you have the threat of injuries, sort of like you're saying with Derrick Henry, who I think they're probably expecting to touch the ball, you know, 300 plus times. And all it takes is one hit during those 300 plus. And we've seen backs break down after heavy workload seasons before. I think there are a lot of underlying factors here that could contribute to an under and Conklin is kind of the 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 dark horse here to lead, you know, the under campaign with him not being there. So I, I do like the under here, and I think you can't undersell his loss. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this one to you, Ricky, because Pacheco's gonna be mad that the question even gets asked. <laughs> what side of Julio Jones, 1,349 receiving yards? Which side of that one are you on? So if you keep having the same hypothesis over time you're bound to be right is my theory this is the year that calvin ridley leads this team in receiving so i am on the under with julio jones at some point the 33 year old has got to start slowing down just because that's the way the world works it's nothing against him he's one of the best receivers we have seen but at 33 years old with an up-and-coming calvin ridley who was a top-tier prospect in his own right I expect there to be a year where the torch is passed, and that's not saying that Julio Jones is forced to have a down year. It's just saying I think that Ridley's the more likely one to have that 1,300-yard season when he's in his prime and Julio's on the downturn. So we're going to piss off Pacheco, but I'm on the under. Pacheco? I don't know, man. I don't know what you guys are – I don't know what you guys are saying. I don't know. I don't know anymore. I mean, we are uh, – you know, pretty much like two seasons removed from this dude putting up almost 1,700 yards and leading the league in that category. Um, I, I just don't think so. I Like, I don't, I don't understand why. I, well, you know, the Calvin Ridley thing makes sense, but th- there is no passing of the torch here. Like, Willie Jones is still their best receiver. And, and, I, and I don't think that's a thing that we have to talk about. Is he, though? It could, could Calvin Ridley be better? Calvin Ridley could be better, but it's not going to happen now. It's not going to happen now. All right. Not, well, not, not right now. I think maybe there that happens, you know, at some point. But I don't think Julio Jones has that. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We're talking about a receiver with 17 touchdowns in his first two years at age 24 and yeah. 25. Mind you, 866 yards last year. But he increased his yards per reception despite yeah. – uh, it was basically the same amount of targets, which was a little mm-hmm. disappointing. I will give you that from 92 yeah. to 93 targets year one to year two, 
But he went from five starts to 10 starts. And I, I think we're talking about a guy age 26, third year receiver. That's always when we expect those sort of upticks. So I just think in terms of career progression, if it's going to happen for him, it's going to be now. It's not a knock on Julio Jones at all. It's just saying that there are only so few guys that can put up those 1,200 plus yard seasons after mm-hmm. age 32. And that's that's the only concern for me. I mean, I understand that if I can, uh, if I can uh, counter here, Davis. It, my thing is, like, do, is the consensus now that Calvin really is is a better receiver than Julio Jones? Like, that's a I don't thing think that's right the now? consensus. I think that people are just preparing for Julio for Jones reality. to be for for just preparing for Julio Jones to be thirty one years old. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, and, I, and I do understand that. That's a really important point. But, like, when have I, – I guess last season, you know, there might have been some sort of, I don't know, decrease on some of his, his stats. Julio Jones has never been, like, a huge touchdown guy. But I, I, th- I thought it was understood that he's still their best receiver. And as at least for the foreseeable future, I think that that's going to be the case. Yeah, I think so- that is uh, – I think that's probably fair. I just want to cut in here because I think I called him 33. He's 31. So after the season, yes. you know, at age 30, uh, it was a drop-off. We did see, just looking at some of the greats, Randy Moss, 1,400 yards in his age. Uh, I guess that was 30. So we're talking 31 season. He had a 400-yard dip from the year before, but he had that historical mm-hmm. season. Yeah. He, what's the line, by the way? What's the exact yardage, Davis? Because Randy Moss, 1,008 and 1,264 were his high marks after the age of 30. The exact line is uh, 1,349. So Randy Moss had zero of those. And that was after Pacheco saying, you know, he's such and such years removed from this monster year. At age 30, Randy Moss had 23 touchdowns. So it doesn't get much more monster than that. And yeah. Randy Moss, with, with with New England, mind you, you know, with Tom Brady probably in his prime, did not go over this number. And mind you, it was a little bit of a different era, but this is Randy Moss. Let me be clear, too. I don't think it's – like, I don't think the line should be set that much higher. Like, I don't think he has much more upside than the the um, 1,300 yards. But I do think – that he he gets there, or at least gets very close. Obviously, if he gets close and doesn't meet it, you guys would be uh, winning this bet. But it is close. I, I I just wanted to say that I don't think he's in for a you know seventeen hundred yard season anymore. I think that's I think that is that's probably the fair way. So the other the other thing that I wanted to look at uh, here as we are winding down on the program is uh, a couple of the Super Bowl futures that I thought were worth betting. Uh, Cowboys 22 to one, they are deeper than the new England Patriots. And, uh, you know, just a couple other teams. I thought, I thought 22 to one for, you know, Dak Prescott, uh, pretty good defense. I think very good. I mean, they led the NFL in yards per play on, uh, on offense last year. So, you know, I, I think, I think 22 to one is a very fair wager for them, Ricky. Yeah, I think it's fair. I mean, I think they're going to be before long considered probably better odds than this. I think after the NFL draft and the dust has settled, you probably are going to settle in around like a 15 to one price here. So I think this is a a situation where you could buy now. 
But I kind of like the Browns as the post-hype sleeper here. And everyone's going to laugh because it's the Browns. We tried this last year. Uh, I, by the way, was not one of the ones on the Browns last year. But I don't think you can overstate Kevin Stefanski being there and trying to limit the madness of the offense. We saw him kind of keep you know, Kirk Cousins under control by by really relying on that rushing game. And I know that, that Cleveland was a really good rushing offense last year. You add Jack Conklin there, but I think you add a scheme that's going to be a lot less hectic and rely a lot less on, on Baker Mayfield just running for his life. Uh, you know, they, they, they were a big, uh, you know, fake run pass sort of team last year. The Vikings were. So we're going to see the same sort of play action offense here. I really like the Browns to take a step up here. I know Baker Mayfield's not someone that most are high no, on. but 33 to 1 for the Browns. That was yep. the other name I had down on our list. I think those those two bets and then any Cardinals bet you want to make, I think those are uh, some of the best overall NFL futures you can make. They, and, and again, you know, if we're making bets this early in the season, I don't want to be making even money bets and then holding them for for eight months, you know, especially for a season that may or may not happen. So, uh, you know, Pacheco, if I'm making bets right now, I want these to be bets where, you know, the value of my dollar is going to increase exponentially. No, I completely agree uh, with that take, Davis. I, I was thinking you might have taken a bite at that Dallas Cowboys number uh, 22 to one. I don't know if, if you agree, but I think that's pretty solid. Yeah, no, 100%. And and I, by the way, um, just as we're on this subject, like, I don't, I'm not one of these people that thinks Baker is, like, bad or, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, was horrible last year and he's got no future. It's just, like, he was in a bad situation. He was not being coached well. Um, yeah, and, exactly. And he, like, certainly he was not. Was was he good last year? No, but I, I think that, I don't think his second season buried him or anything like that. Agreed with that uh, as well. Uh, one that I think is getting a little bit overhyped and it makes a lot of sense. Tampa Bay, uh, are they really 16 to 1 to win the Super Bowl? Yeah, just like, like I, I'm not betting any Tampa Bay related. Any, I mean, maybe I would short them. I, I, I would short them is what I would do because that that to me seems a little bit egregious. Like, I, I, it's Tom Brady. I get it. Look, no one loves Tom Brady more than me. Okay. But Really, what's the different? What's that big of a difference between Brady and Jameis Winston? Last year, you, you, you could argue, you could argue Winston's fit is better. Yeah, you could argue that his fit is better. So I don't, I, I don't. Just thinking that's that one was a little bit, I don't know, inflated in my opinion. Yeah, I have, uh, I have two divisional bets that I made as we were going through here as well. The first one is a pretty weird one, but the Jaguars are fourteen to one to win their division. Uh, is are, is any team in that division any good at all? Like, I don't think the Titans are any good. I certainly don't think the Colts are going to be very good. Uh, I do not believe that um, the Texans are going to be nearly as good as they were last year. Like, I think the I think the the price for this wager, Ricky, should be um, plus eight hundred, plus seven fifty, maybe the way some of these other big underdogs are. So I, I, to me, I just, I don't, I don't see it at all. Why, why, why would I not bet the Jaguars 14 to one to win the division? I'm a little scared of tank mode, but at the same time, like Gardner Minshew certainly could take a step up in year two. Uh, guy who comes from basically a pro scheme in college, guy who, you know, looked better than Nick Foles last year, guy who has an arsenal of receivers who we've talked about. We're not sure they need to upgrade them. I think 
my initial reaction was ew, but the more I think about it, 14 to one's not so bad. So because of the division, I think that's what you're betting against. Not so much you're betting against the Jaguars are that good. It's just that they're not that bad. Mm-hmm. And that's really the only selling point. All right. The the last bet that I that I really like, um, and we'll, we are going to talk a ton about the Cardinals over the course of this offseason on Daily Roto TV, but the Arizona Cardinals are, you know, last place in a very tough division. And their odds have already, you know, you could have gotten these odds deeper earlier in the offseason. You could have bet Kyler Murray for MVP deeper, so on and so forth. But, you know, I think there is a little bit of a fallacy of like, oh, well, it's too late. And and I don't think that's true. I think that you can still reasonably be placing Cardinals futures bets right now. They are plus 700 to win their division. I think that is a, a legitimately reasonable price uh, for that division. You know, if we yeah. think that a, some of those older teams take a step back. So that is going to do it for us here today on Daily Roto TV on SportsGrid. Uh, this has been Davis Maddock, Christopher Pacheco, and Ricky Sanders. We are signing off for now. We will be back tomorrow with more content for everyone. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. 
And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.